Hey, Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Hey, Husker fans, welcome back to the Husker Big Red YouTube channel. I'm Chris Peterson, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Danny Gillette. And uh, we're here to uh, talk some Nebraska football recruiting. It was a big weekend for the Huskers. They got three new recruits, or three new commitments, I should say, on uh, Monday. I know you were busy uh, writing up a lot of stuff um, on Sunday, Danny. So what are your thoughts on uh, these new 2024 pledges for the Huskers? Well, one of the things I really like is that Nebraska is doing a three-step process. They're offering a kid, they're getting the kid to, you know, a camp that's run by these coaches, and then the kids they like, they're getting to commit. So at the very least, there's a plan of get them here, get them offered, get them here, get them to commit, and I like the follow-through with that. Um, you know, I do think that there is a lot of value in running these camps, and you know, I, I understand a little bit of the worry and the fact that, you know, some of the commitments aren't necessarily highly ranked, but I do think it may be a case of, you know, some of these players, and we'll get to them in a minute, you know, kind of getting overlooked. Um, I trust the staff and their evaluation process, and I think they have an idea of what they want to look for in a player. and. From that end of it, I think that's a little bit better than just, you know, offering random kids and getting them to commit with no plan whatsoever. Yeah, so over the weekend on Sunday, uh, Braylon Prude um, from Shadow Creek, Texas, 6'4", 190, um, linebacker safety type committed. Um, also, Jake Peters, um, offensive lineman from Iowa, uh, 6'3", 265, and then... Kalen Barta, safety, 6'2", 180. So all of them have been bumped up. They're three stars um, now in the 24-7 composite rankings. They all rank outside the top 1,000. And, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting It's process. interesting that you say that. Hold on one second. It's interesting that you say that because they commit to Nebraska, they get stars like that. That's interesting. I mean – well, it's you. pretty. Gen I mean, it's the yeah. Twenty four seven sports does take commitments into, a, so it's pretty. You know, it's pretty standard across the board when that type of thing happens is that they'll upgrade them. Um, and I guess that there's a lot of kids, but I don't know why you wouldn't at least evaluate them to the point where they at least get, you know, three stars in general. Because Cole's kicking camp does a good job of of evaluating you know, kickers and punters. And that just is wild to me that like one or two even offers can lead to stars. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish before I go on a tangent. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's just 24 seven. Like if you look at their formula, they calculate, you know, regional bias and then, um, you know, offers, they, they calculate offers and then commitments. So, I mean, you, you'll see that quite a bit. I mean, Bryce Turner was the same way. All these guys Good were, knives. Where most of these guys were ranked um, by 24-7, like Jake Peters and Kalen Barta. I think yeah. Braylon Prude might have been too, but they just weren't ranked in the composite as three-star players yet. So now now they are. I don't know what calculation goes into that or if other you know recruiting services have upgraded their skill set. Um, so at any rate, you know, it's it's interesting to get, you know, it, it's good to have them be, you know, ranked as the three stars. And I'm not saying that rankings you know, or, or everything. Uh, my point, and I think, you know, this is just an interesting topic of conversation is, 
you know, where Nebraska is kind of building this class, right? Because we talked about this a little bit, you know, but Nebraska is really going, I mean, I think that they've realized that getting four-star players in this class just probably isn't that likely. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of, I mean, they've tried and had a lot of positions, but, you know, offensive tackle, running back, um, you know, it's just, it just hasn't really worked out. So I, I think that they have gone, they are going a bit of a different route. I mean, Matt Rule did this last year too, you know, with the, the way he kind of evaluates and holding the camps and stuff. And you do get, you know, um, players. And I think that the one thing is they're not just taking guys that, uh, you know, like Braylon Prude could be a really good player. I mean, he's got the measurables. They've all got that NFL skill set. And so you're kind of banking on them, you know, obviously outplaying their ranking and, you know, getting that, you know, developed process. Um banking on their, you know, athleticism and their measurables and stuff like that, which I totally understand. I think that's a good strategy. I just don't know if you want to, you know, right now, I mean, so we're looking, we've got, you know, 12 commitments. I mean, so if you're getting up to like a 20 player class, I don't think you want half your class to be guys that, you know, you're the first offer, you know what I mean? That haven't been offered by another, um, you know, FBS or a power five program. I can understand having a chunk of your class, you know, four or five guys, but I, I just think that, you know, with the transfer portal and all those other, you know, like, because each one of these guys that you're taking right now, that's that's taking away a guy you could get from the transfer portal. You know what I mean? That's like a proven starter in college football. So you really have to, I mean, I do think you need to have these younger guys on your roster, but I think you have to limit that to a point because you don't want to be, you know, you do want to be old in this world of college football. So it is a double-edged sword. I understand that you want to develop these guys and I do trust the coaching staff um, and Matt Rule in terms of their evaluations, but those those low those projections of guys you know becoming like a low three star to an NFL player like that does happen and I do think Nebraska will make that happen but like say you have five guys like that maybe one is going to turn into something maybe one or two you know what I mean so that's just my opinion on it I don't think you want to have too many guys in your class that kind of fit that mold of an evaluation offer type prospect well there's a there's also you know you can't do a ton when you don't know how everything is going to go and whether these guys are going to be legitimate players or placeholders or whatever, you know, we don't know how the 2023 season is going to go. And quite frankly, we don't know how, you know, this offensive style is going to work, how this defensive style is going to work. It looked great during the spring, um, during the spring game defensively, for example, but you know, you can never really get a good gauge um, of those things from a spring game. So, you know, I think for what they've been able to do so far, I think they've done a pretty decent job. And, um, you know, I think that once the season gets underway, then we'll have a chance to really kind of assess, you know, and recruits will have a chance to really kind of assess what this is all about. And in today's world of recruiting, all of all of what happened yesterday can change in five seconds. So... At the very least, they have a couple guys that are projects, but that they can work with. And, you know, I think, um, you know, each of them has talent. And, you know, I think especially a guy like Prude, you know, kind of embodies what Nebraska football is looking for on their defense. You know, a guy that can run, run quickly from side to side, runs good downhill, has the versatility in a three-three-five defense because, you know, they, they want this defense to be positionless, so to speak. So I do think, you know, there is a plan for these guys, whether or not, you know, that plan will 
work out or whether or not these players will work out remains to be seen. But, you know, at the very least, I saw, you know, I, I was watching all these guys yesterday, you know, their, their huddle films, and I could see why Nebraska got them to commit. Yeah, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that, you know, they're all going to be bad players or anything, but it's going to take time to, you know, develop these guys. And so we'll see. I just think, um, you know, the bottom line is that these three past commitments, they're your three lowest ranked guys outside of, um, you know, Cook. So, or Cope. So, I mean, it's not, you know, a knock on any of those guys or or anything like that. Um, I just think at the end of the day, I, I, you know, this recruiting class, I don't think that it went, that it's gone the way that the staff thought it was going to go in January and December, to be honest with you. I think they were, I think that they thought they were going to hit on more big names in this cycle. And I think they've done a good job adjusting and uh, kind of, you know, realizing that, Hey, that's not, you know, it's not realistic. Brandon Baker, you know, Nathaniel Frazier, like these guys aren't coming. Um, So I, I do think that they've made some adjustments in that way and, you know, started, you know, kind of evaluating a little bit more and saying, Hey, we're going to have to find the diamonds in the rough until, we do establish something here at Nebraska. Um, so, I mean, it is a good on those lines. And I would rather them, you know, take a player that has <clears throat> the ability to develop, you know, into an NFL type prospect. I just think that, you know, if you take too many of those boomer bust type guys, you know, that can put you kind of in a tough situation, but that's just where Nebraska is right now. They just have to, they have to take chances on those guys and hope that, you know, their development uh, works out. And this is also why, Matt Rule has an eight-year contract, so he can kind of figure everything out, you know, and see what works best. But, you know, I—I I mean, I, every deal, every deal is a three-year contract. I mean, I, <laughs> if he doesn't I, have a yeah. winning season by year three, he's toast. I mean, that buyout is going to be quite expensive, though. And with how much money they've, quite frankly, pissed away in contracts already, I think they would think long and hard before, you know, trying to can him after three years. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, this coaching staff has shown that they can work hard, but we have yet to see the results on the field. I mean, you know, I, mean, I, think, I don't think that'll happen. I think Matt no, Rule's going to win here, but, but if he doesn't have a winning season by year three, I 100% believe he'll be gone. Absolutely. He'll be fired in no time. Like, there's just no there's no way he's making it to year four if he hasn't won, hasn't had a winning season. By yeah. then. I just That's my opinion, but, you know, I know the buyout is what it is, but I just think that, you know, and by that point, I mean, Trev will probably be trying to fire him to save his job. So, you know, Trev, say, yeah, Trev will Matt probably Rule's be gone, gone too. Yeah, if Matt Rule's gone, like, this is this is all on Trev now. And if Matt Rule goes, then Trev will go and we'll continue the revolving door of coaches, athletic directors, yada, yada, yada. And I, I don't know. I don't even want to think about that. But I, I, I don't think that we're going to end up in a situation like we did with Scott Frost. I really don't. I think the yeah. staff is very focused and very determined, and hopefully the yeah, alarm going off once. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. I had to snooze my alarm about seven times this morning, so I totally understand where you're coming from, but. Uh, yeah, I don't get that vibe with Matt Rule that I did with Scott Frost. I mean, I think, you know, they hired a search firm to, you know, figure out the best coaching candidates, and Matt Rule was who they came away with. He seems to be bought into what Nebraska's trying to do. He seems to be bought in to the state itself. So, 
I don't know if this will turn out like Scott Frost. I do have optimism, but you know, I, I'm quite honestly, if there was a year to win, just looking at the schedule, it would be this year. I mean, this is a very favorable schedule, I think, and I think once the wins start to come, the recruiting will be a little bit better as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I, yeah, I, I think that you know they are going to get this program turned around for sure. I'm confident in that. Um, you know, I just I would rather see them. You know, I would rest rather see them keep the recruiting numbers low, um, keeping in mind that you can do a lot in the transfer portal now. I just don't. I don't think you need to take like 25 recruits in this class. I don't think that Nebraska is going to, but especially if you're filling it up with, um, you know, these these guys that, you know, you're camping and evaluating. I'm not trying to dig on those guys at all. I'm just saying you are inherently taking a little bit more of a risk, I think, on those types of players. So, you know, like I said, about a third of the class, I can see, you know, seven, eight guys. I think that that's legitimate because I do trust their evaluation process a little bit. But it does worry me when, you know, Nebraska's the first Power 5 team to make an offer. You know, there's no other – I mean, it's one thing if the guy's got like a bunch of Mountain West offers, but if you're going from like FCS up to right to Nebraska, then, you know, yeah, it does worry me just a little bit. Not saying that, you know, this coaching staff can't find diamonds in the rough and things like that. But, you know, it's just it is what it is. And I think you just you don't want to have too many of those types of uh, commitments in your recruiting class if you're Nebraska. And, you know, one thing that worries me, and we were kind of talking about it a little bit, is the lack of, you know, depth at the running back position. You know, I think the running back position, we saw that Micah Capana committed to Michigan over the weekend. I know he was scheduled to visit Nebraska uh, this coming Friday, and that's obviously off the table now. So I'll be interested to see what they do at running back. I know they have Quentin Ives and, you know, possibly others coming, you know, coming uh, down the tunnel here. But I think you need to have good running back depth for the Big Ten. And, you know, after Anthony Grant, you know he's gonna leave after this year, and then you'll, and then you have Gabe Irvin, and beyond that, not a ton of depth. So I'll be interested to see if Nebraska can kind of salvage something at the running back position too. Yeah, they are scrambling a little bit at the running back. I mean, they have been actually scrambling at the running back position for quite a while because the Capana thing's been coming down the pike. Uh, Keywon Lacy went to Old Miss. Uh, another guy that was going to be visiting this weekend committed to Minnesota. So. They really have some work to do at the running back position because um, Nathaniel Frazier is definitely not happening. He's going to Alabama or USC or so. I mean, I wouldn't even waste my time recruiting him at this point. Um, same with Brandon Baker. Like, it's just a waste of time. I mean, to be honest. So invest your time in a, in a player that you can actually get at this point. Um, so they, they need to reset, you know, themselves at the running back position. And, you know, I'm actually surprised that they weren't able to find, you know, an offer, you know, at, at one of these camps at that position. Cause it's, you know, I don't even, I have, I can't even point to anybody that they've offered that is like a realistic, you know, commitment at this point. I'll have to look at the board a little bit more, but um, they've got some work to do there. And, you know, this weekend coming up, is going to be a big weekend with the, you know, the big visits. I mean, Carter Nelson's expected to come in, um, you know, Isaiah McMorris. So they, they really need to finish on these guys. There hasn't been much buzz around Carter Nelson since the visit to Georgia. There hasn't been any other, you know, predictions or anything. So, I mean, he's really, he's really like the last elite type player. I think Nebraska has a shot at in this 2024 class. Things could change obviously after the season starts, but you know, I, I think that Matt rule, you know, he even talked about this too um, on one of his, you know, with one of his interviews or whatever, but there's not very many spots after these summer months, you know, you're going to get through this last week of June, a bunch of guys are going to commit in July 
And like, if you look at the top 24 seven, like probably 80, 90% of the guys are going to be committed. So it's not, you know, once the season starts, there's still obviously going to be recruiting. And especially in that late period, a lot of top ranked players, you know, are available in that time period. And Nebraska could have a great season and that could totally, you know, surge things. I mean, we've seen that, you know, with some other classes in the years past. Um, but, you know, this next, these next few weeks are going to be really important. And especially this, this official visit with Carter Nelson, I think it's going to, you know, tell the tale. I think he's going to make a decision in July. That's just reading, you know, the tea leaves. I have no intel on that, but it seems like he wants to get this process over with before a senior season. Most kids do. And uh, I really, I think it seems to me like he's giving Nebraska that last chance, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to read. It's a hard situation to read with Carter Nelson. And I think we honestly have a better shot at Isaiah McMorris than we do Carter Nelson. But, I mean, you know, I think there's always this kind of saying in recruiting that you want this last visit. Get the last visit for a kid that you want and see if you can seal the deal. So I think if they want Nelson, I mean, this weekend's going to be big for them. It's going to be big for them. And, you know, I do think I'll be interested to watch the Michael Burt commitment or the Michael Bird, excuse me, uh, recruitment, and seeing if there's any more, you know, positive news to come out of that. Because I know he, he said in an interview yesterday that he was impressed with Nebraska. So I'll be interested to see what happens with his recruitment because I think a commitment to Nebraska or no commitment at all will tell a lot about where the Huskers stand with Nelson. Because although they don't need another tight end, I, I do think, you know, if you put Keelan Smith at wide receiver, for example, you know, then then you need depth at the position. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll see. I mean, I, I think, you know, the numbers part of it, um, you know, aren't that where I guess we'll see if they take Burt and Carter Nelson. You know, we'll, it could be could get pretty, pretty crowded there. But my guess would be that they would take both. Um, that's just. That's just my thought. I don't think it's going to, you know, it's not like I don't think they're telling Michael Burt to wait or anything on a commitment for Carter Nelson. Um, it seems like I would just take Michael Burt and then, you know, kind of go from there. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I, I don't think that they're going to win out with Carter Nelson, but we'll see what happens. I think, you know, Daniel Kalen being there is definitely going to help. They were on an unofficial visit together. Um, I do think Nebraska needs to land Isaiah McMorris. That's going to be yeah. if they if they miss him, that's going to be a black eye on this recruiting class. Like that's just he plays on the same team as your quarterback. He's right there. I mean, you just you have to get that. There's there's really there's no other like big name school making a hard push for Isaiah McMorris. Like you got to get his you have to get his commitment, and they they need to get it soon after this weekend, in my opinion. Because not only would you miss out on Isaiah McMorris, you missed out on David Hall. So. That those are two right there that you 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 got to land one or the other at this point. It's McMorris, but if they miss out on both, then that's certainly kind of a that's certainly kind of a bummer to be quite honest with you. Because especially if Davon Hall goes to Kansas State, I don't, that is weird to me. I don't get that. I don't get that either. I really don't. Um, so. You know, I think Nebraska would would give would have given him a better chance to succeed, but we'll see. I mean, there's also the end where, you know, some recruits may not be, you know, sold on Garrett McGuire yet either. And that, that could play a factor in it too. But if they don't get McMorris, then that's certainly, you know, um, a downward trend in terms of this class, in my opinion. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's just a guy that, you know, he's a top 500 recruit. And um, I just think that, you know, he he's a must get in this class. I mean, I, I would say that about Carter Nelson, too. It's just that's going to be hard to, you know, that's a hard bar to put, you know, with all the other, you know, with Georgia interested in him, too. I mean, obviously, I think it would, you know, if George was was offering Isaiah McMorris, you know, obviously would feel a little bit differently about it. So I just feel like with everything that Nebraska has going for it, that's a recruitment they need to win. Um, I, I am interested to see with Carter Nelson, though, and I I think that, um, you know, Daniel Kalen has been a great peer recruiter, and maybe, you know, he can, uh, you know, help seal the deal, because I do think that, you know, there, there's still a chance for Nebraska with Carter Nelson. I don't think it's, I don't think it's over yet, because, um, you know, I do think that, if, if he was going to make his commitment, I, I think that he at least, you know, respects the, the coaching staff enough to just to make that. Like, I don't think he's taking this visit just just like for obligatory obligatory reasons. You know what I mean? And there could be some of that, like with him being an in-state kid. And I know the program, you know, probably means a lot to him, whatever, you know, wherever he ends up choosing. But it'll be interesting this visit. He's definitely the guy, you know, that I'll be watching along with, you know, McMorris. But those are the those are the two that I'll be seeing if they can make some movement with. You know, and and it could also be something as simple as a kid that wants to go out of state for college. I mean, that's a part of it too that I think often gets overlooked. But um, you know, it's interesting how much good depth Georgia has, and there's only so many targets to go around, only so many you know throws to go around if you're a quarterback. So I'm very interested to see how big of a push Georgia will make, and if Georgia can seal a deal on Nelson. Because with George's tight end room, he may be able to start right away, but I don't think it would be as clear a path to starting, you know, at Georgia as it would be at Nebraska. Nebraska, I think he could start day one. Yeah, definitely at least, yeah, get into the mix for sure. Um, so, yeah, just looking, you know, I'm looking at the list of official visits. Um, so kind of some interesting Kiwan Lacey, you know, is another running back. He hasn't committed yet. Um, he's been trending pretty hard to, you know, Ole Miss with, I think he's got some crystal balls and stuff. So, you know, he's still slated as an official visitor. Maybe they can, you know, flip something around with him. Um, you know, he's a guy that we were, we've been talking about along the same lines as Capana. They were kind of the top. They seem like they were the top of the board after Frazier. So we'll see maybe that that'll change. Um, I do see now on on three that uh, Quinn Clark is coming in for a visit, official visit this weekend. So that, you know, piques my interest a little bit. Um, I know they've actually got official visitors today. Donovan Jones is taking an official visit. Um, Michael Turner, another wide receiver from Louisiana is going to be on campus for an unofficial visit. So that'll be, you know, kind of interesting to see where the wide receiver positions go in. But Quinn Clark to me seems like they might be willing to take him. I'm not, you know, just uh, the fact that they're getting him, you know, it was like Braylon Prude, right? You know, they they offered him, and then that's why, like, last weekend, I think on Friday, before the official visit, like, he was one of the guys that I said could commit. Jake Peters was another one. But it's like if, you, if you're taking a kid that doesn't have any other Power 5 offers, you get him from camp, you offer him, you get him on campus for an official visit, like, to me, that says that they're pretty serious about him. And, um, you know, Prude, that's, that's the method that they followed, the same with Peters. Um, and I think Quinn Clark, it looks like they're going down that same, you know, kind of modus operandi. You know, he's six six. He's got a verified forty time of you know four five. Um, he can. He's a jumper. He's a sprinter. He plays basketball. I mean, so he does a lot of different things. And the fact that you know they offered him and now are taking him back for an official visit to me, it seems like 
you know, they want a big receiver in this class, you know, a six, four, six, five wide receiver. And Quinn Clark could be that guy. And he's got, he's not quite as athletic as Malachi Coleman, but he's got a, a very similar type of build. And um, he's a similar, you know, type of athlete, just to a lesser extent, I guess I would say. And along with Clark, another guy I'm watching that's kind of, that's uh, visiting this weekend is Caleb Benning. He's been trending to Nebraska for quite a while. So I'm wondering when he will pull the trigger on a commitment, but I feel like Nebraska has a very, very good chance at Benning and it's only a matter of time, you know, before he commits to Nebraska. Yeah, that is good to get him um, on campus for an official visit. So, I mean, you look at, um, yeah, Benning is a big one. Um, you know, Ernest Campbell's going to be there. Uh, Grant Bricks is another big, you know, interior offensive lineman. That's like a Kansas State, Nebraska, you know, battle right now, a Midwest recruit. So, I, th I mean, a key thing for me, I think, with Nebraska is not only I, I want to see them start winning, you know, some of these Midwest recruitments again, you know, like like um, Andrew Sprague, who ended up going to Michigan. I think Nebraska was pretty close in that one. Like that's a that's a guy that's like a top 50, you know, top 150 guy that's like a winnable recruitment out of St. Louis. Right. You know, like those are some of the like that was a much more winnable recruitment than Brandon Baker out of California. You know what I mean? So yeah. like those are some ones that's why like Grant Big. Grant Bricks would be like a really big recruiting victory, I think, in my opinion. Um, so, I mean, outside of Carter Nelson, he's like a big, you know, a big visitor. Um, Isaiah McHorse, they, there's a lot of different receivers um, on campus. I know Evan Taylor, another receiver, also got a crystal ball um, yesterday, I believe, or an expert projection. So there's a lot of moving parts at the wide receiver board. And I think after this weekend, you know, we'll have a lot more clarity of, of who Nebraska is going to take. I personally, I wouldn't mind if they just took, uh, you know, McMorris and, uh, you know, Quinn Clark and essentially called it a day after that point. What do you know about uh, the edge defender? And I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Devoe Tuataga. He's coming in this weekend and I haven't really done my homework on him, but, you know, he's he's a high 80s recruit, you know, in terms of in terms of numerical value. He's trending right now um, to Nebraska via the on three. um you know, uh, recruiting prediction machine. Um, Nebraska's at 32%. Oregon's at 28%. So do you know anything about him? Uh, he's coming in for an official this weekend as well. Um, I don't know much about him. Just scanning his uh, profile here. Um, he's an 88, which is yeah. a very, very high three-star. So. Um, he's 6'6", 225, you know, which um, those types of players always really, you know, stand out with, uh, I mean, you, when you're playing an odd front, you want big, big, long players, you know, um, so 6'6", six, six, because that to me is like, he could be an edge, or if he really can grow into his body, he could even be like a five technique, you know, down the road, so um, he did just take an official visit to Oregon last weekend, um, he's out of the state of Utah, um, he took unofficial visits to Utah and BYU in January and Tennessee. And so none of them have kind of followed up with official visits, which is somewhat interesting. This, some this kind this, this tends to happen with some of these West coast kids. You'll see this. I don't know why I have no idea why it's like that, but it just seems like, and this could just be totally my perception, but it seems like there's more kids from like Utah and Wyoming, California, that Arizona too, that they don't seem to, their recruitments don't pick up till later in the cycle, like in you know late summer and the fall. I'm not sure why this seems like one of them because it's like, there's a lot of other kids that are really good. I mean, he's ranked five fourteen in the on three industry rankings. So it's like, why doesn't that guy have more than one official or like more than two official visits set up? So 
you know, it's interesting Like guys like this will take some more visits in the fall. Um, but yeah, I would think Nebraska would have a good opportunity. You know, Oregon just hosted him and they're a big threat for anybody on the West coast, but, um, yeah, well, Nebraska's trending up. I'm not sure why that they are in that spot in the number one spot, you know, um, because it's usually based on visits and things like that. So it, it's, it's kind of hard to understand the on three prediction machine because it's based on like visits recruit, you know, the recruits ranking past recruiting history. So like if it was probably Brandon Baker or somebody like Nebraska probably wouldn't have as good of a chance with the on three prediction machine, uh, you know, cause it's, it's a whole bunch of factors that, that go into, I do think it is smarter in some ways than the, the crystal ball. Cause there are other factors that play into it, but um, I didn't have a good chance. I'd have to study his film though, but he's probably another guy that has really big upside. I think that that's, that's a pretty clear thing with the, the rule coaching staff and method. I think that they're very confident that, you know, and he said that, like, I can teach people how to play football. I can't teach, I can't teach somebody how to run the 100 meter dash in 10, five, you know, I can't teach that, but I can teach somebody how to catch and how to run, how to block, how to tackle, you know, like football is not a skill game really outside of the quarterback position. Um, it's really, I mean, you know, I, I don't really even think of catching a ball as like most of the time you either have that natural ability or you don't. I mean, that's just, I mean, yes, you can improve your hands you can improve your arm strength for, you know, for that matter. But for the most part, football is still, you know, a physical violent game. And it's just, it's about having that natural set of talents. And uh, this, the staff is very confident they can get those out of those players. And I, I think there's a good reason to believe that they're right. And I don't think your perception about West Coast recruiting is too far off because even when you look at the 2023 class, you know, Sua Latofu committed in January. So, yeah. I mean, it's almost like there is quite literally a different time zone and a different like time element to West Coast recruiting. So I I, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that at all. But um, yeah, no, I'll be interested to see um, how the peer recruiters do this weekend. Um, Gibson Pyle is coming to town. Kalen's coming to town. And, you know, I, I read in an article the other day that the offensive line itself has you know, created a strong bond between, you know, the commits and recruits. So that's always a good thing to hear as well. And, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes underestimate the value of peer recruiting. And hopefully, you know, Kalen being there, Pyle being there this weekend, hopefully they can help seal the deal as well. Um, now that you mentioned that is a good point, and you mentioned it, um, I want we before we wrap up the show, our last segment, we almost are kind of going off. But uh, Danny Kalen, uh, Danny Dimes um, is an Elite 11 quarterback, the first from the state of Nebraska, not to play for Nebraska, from the state of Nebraska um, to be named that. So now when is Danny Dimes getting his fourth star? That's my question to you. Um, hopefully by the second week of July, I want to say, because that'll give them time to assess everything. and and uh you know kind of figure out you know what their rankings are and it was kind of funny uh, a husker fan on twitter i'm not gonna mention him by name but he asked the on three guys or in the rivals guys why does kaylin not get any love in these articles because honestly if you if you looked at any of the elite 11 articles kaylin got mentioned probably like three times in the yeah. span of a weekend and so they're like, oh, we just use our formula and blah, 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 blah. And it's bullshit. You know what? It's bullshit. They they didn't really take a good look at Kalen. I mean, when you when you looked at the Elite 11 coverage, 
from this weekend, the event wasn't covered well overall in terms of videos and things like that. So, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think I think he'll get his fourth star. You know, if he throws seventy-five touchdowns this year, he yeah, he needs his fourth star right now. But I think it's, I think he's gonna stay where he is for quite a while. As much as that pains me to say, because I don't know if he got good enough exposure at the Elite Eleven camp to warrant a four, like to warrant a fourth star in the minds of the analysts. Yeah, and it's so I mean he's about in the composite he's probably like a hundred some spots away. So I mean he's gonna have to make a pretty big leap and it's not just, you know, I mean twenty four seven could boost him in their own rankings, you know, and I'm I'm think I'm thinking they probably will, um, especially because twenty four seven, I think they had him in the top ten too. And then they or they had him in their Elite Eleven rankings, I'm pretty sure. Like uh, on three was weird though. I just, you know, like um not to bring the Michigan thing into it, but like with Jaden Davis, like they repeatedly they just like wouldn't rank like Jaden Davis was fifth by 24 seven sports and made the elite 11 and they just continually like didn't rank him. And it's because I think because Charles, they, they have Jaden Davis ranked like a hundred spots lower than anybody else, the Michigan. So it's like, they're trying to, it's like they're trying to make their analysis fit their rankings, you know? Um, and I don't think that's how you should be doing it. You, you should, you should be, you know, watching and analyzing and then ranking and not trying to, it's just weird to me how, one service can rank a guy in the top 10 and another service doesn't even talk about him and it's the same performance. So that's kind of like the underwear Olympics type thing. But I mean, to me, even the fact that Daniel Kalen got this invitation, I mean, that proved, you know, only 20 quarterbacks get that invitation. Right. And he actually, I think it's safe to say he performed in the upper half of that group. I mean, even if you want to say like, you know, if you want to nitpick and say he's only in the top, like 12, if you're on three or whatever, but I think he, he definitely proved that, you know, he's not like the worst quarterback at the Elite 11, right? He actually won the accuracy competition. So, like, I know he doesn't have the the huge arm. Um, I talked about that. But I do think that he is going to get a fourth star at some point. It probably will take a while. And maybe he maybe he'll just be like a high-ranked three-star. But he'll be a four-star in my heart. So that's all that really matters. See, this is why we have you on the show, Chris, because you can say, Oh, you know, you can make it nice and say, oh, their coverage, you know, they didn't do so well. And this is why they did this and blah, blah, blah. I'll just say on three did a terrible job of covering the Elite 11. I mean, they really didn't do a good job at all. And, you know, it is what it is. And I, you know, this Nebraska fan I was talking about, you know, earlier in the day, he kind of asked, you know, why is Daniel Kalen, you know, ranked so low? And I'm trying to find. The response right now but um you know it's just kind of crazy because even in terms of video in terms of you know just trying to find highlights for any of these guys was incredibly hard to do so i don't get why this event is so hard to watch yeah you'd think they'd have it on a live like a youtube live stream or something you know or to, but uh, yeah i don't know it's weird maybe they maybe the elite 11 doesn't doesn't like give out its rights. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what's up with that, but I know people would, well, I mean, college football fans are so obsessed with these guys. I know they would watch it and some, I would watch it if I could. And actually I found the Twitter thread of the responses from the writer to this Nebraska fan. And, you know, he said, uh, this fan said 13th on the pro day, your guys point scale must be broke. And, you know, the writer said, Every network and staff there had different scales, just sharing hours. All 400 throws were charted. 
And then talking about Kalen, this writer said, you know, he was up and down on the long ball, which some scored with premium value, was the only critique as a story illustrates. And then, you know, there was some more talk. And, you know, the writer finished with, um, you know, thanks for your feedback. So even the writers kind of just didn't want to hear any of it. And it's crazy because they, I, I think they did a poor job covering it. And, you know, I think Kalen definitely deserved a little bit more love. He did make the final Elite 11, so there is that. But, I mean, just the coverage of this event and the ability to watch this event, you know, because I would have liked to, like, watch it all the way through. And it's just got to get cleaned up for next year because, you know, these these writers and their scoring systems combined with the inconsistent coverage – you know, in terms of video, made it kind of a difficult event to swallow. And it was on the on three coverage was weird. like, here's another example. So after the first day, um, and this isn't has doesn't have to do really with Daniel Kalen, but just the inconsistency with rankings is so like 24 seven sports, you know, they they had Dylan Rayola as like the alpha dog. He was yeah. incredible compared him to Caleb Williams on three ranked him like ninth. They had like Ethan Grunkmeyer as the number one guy after the first day, which nothing against him. He's a fine player, but like, come on, how, how can one service look at, and, and, and on three, that's a, that's another one they've rated. They've consistently rated Dylan Rayola lower than other, than other, um, you know, recruiting services so it's like that's another example of them like they rated him lower than the other kid going to georgia it's like come on man there's no way that dylan rayola i'm and i'm not you know whatever he's not coming here like i get it but there's no way he was the eighth best performer after the first day just and and especially when 24 7 sports is saying he's the alpha dog like it just doesn't make sense to me so what's the difference between the alpha dog and the number one quarterback because i saw alpha dog number one quarterback below like well, I think they just I to be honest, I don't really know, but I think each each team just like or each they just each service says like, oh, this guy was the whatever it's their own, you know, title for it. I think 24-7 just has it, but you know, basically they just they ranked Rayola as one of the top performers in the same competition and on three's got him like ninth with this, you know, it's just like are you uh, that's why I was like, come on, man. That doesn't make that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm gonna respond to that Twitter thread a little bit later, and uh, but I mean, it's like, come on, like, how hard is this? Like, give us a job, give us a job, and we could, pro- like, that scouting. Thanks for the feedback. This throwing metric system places him all the way down at number eleven. Like, I get he's not like a five-star quarterback or elite, and I get you have certain movers throughout the event through different skill you know, competitions and things like that. But it's almost like I, I, I feel like they didn't even watch the event some days. It, I mean, it's crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And that's not scouting. That's just making projections based on who you like and, you know, who you don't like in terms of names. Yeah, well, just it seemed like to me, at least the on three rankings, I didn't pay attention to Rivals because I think Rivals is not that great overall um, in terms of their rankings. And same with the SPN. Like, like I think ESPN and Rivals should just be cut out of the rankings altogether because they do, they invest so little time in actually doing it. Especially yeah. ES, like ESPN's rankings, they're garbage. If anyone from ESPN's watching, like your rankings are the absolute shits. So uh, Rivals isn't isn't much better. Um, but so I I don't care about what those two. I read the on three and the twenty four seven. It really seemed to me like on three, um, Charles Power, whatever his name is, was definitely trying to. It seemed like he he was feeding into his preconceived notions about guys where he had ranked or whatever, and and that's what I felt like, you know, watching his 
it was it was it was like he was trying to make like I said trying to make the analysis fit the scouting report instead of you know the other way around so because it's easy you don't have to do much work when you do that if yeah. you actually evaluated the kids and I get that there's a lot of kids and you can't evaluate you know every single kid in the state of Texas or Florida for example but when you're at a competition you know just try to evaluate <laughs> with some objectivity to some sort of level you know like I don't know. I mean, and Danny Kalen, Daniel Kalen won an event. I mean, how many guys? Precision I, passing. Yeah, how many guys won an event? You know, there's not. There's only like five. I think there was seven on seven, and you know, there was the pro day part of it, and I can't remember. You know, but the the fact is, the consensus I think from most you know the scouting services that Nebraska is getting you know a steal in Daniel Kalen, an underrated guy. I think everybody was praising his accuracy. The only knock I really heard is that, you know, the arm strength doesn't jump off the page. I don't care about that. I really don't. Like, I believe that you can improve arm strength. I mean, Tom Brady is who I always go to, you know, like when he was at Michigan, when he got to the Patriots, he did not have that strong of an arm. He got his arm got stronger over time. But his the thing that made him great was the accuracy. And so I'll take an accurate quarterback over, you know, like a strong armed guy. So I, I feel good about that. And uh I don't know if it's going to happen, but damn it, you cowards! Give Daniel Kalen his fourth star; he deserves it. <laughs> I mean, or 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 else they'll just sit on his three star ranking because you know that's scouting. So, yeah, you know, if <laughs> if 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 that's scouting, then what the hell are we doing here? We're talking to the loyal fans. That's what we're doing here. We're not selling yeah. out like rivals yet. Yet, I can't promise <laughs> yeah. that we won't, but. I mean, I yeah. might sell out if I get the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I'm not saying if a nice check came up from from uh, on three or something that I wouldn't leave. But at the very least, you know, we can spell whatever we want on here without any repercussions. And apparently these uh, on three writers can too because they don't know how to evaluate. That's that's very true. So make sure you guys are sticking with huskerbigred.com for all your uh, corn husker recruiting information. We've got all the Daniel of- Kalen coverage that you won't get from on three arrivals. Yeah, we actually yeah, we need to try to get uh, Danny Dimes on the show here. Yeah, too, I would love point. that. Um, but make sure you guys hit the subscribe button, you know, get to the comment section, um, you know, hit the like. Um, let us know what you think and uh, help other Nebraska Cornhusker fans, you know, find our videos and our podcasts. Um, check out HuskerBigRed.com this week. And once again, thanks for your engagement and uh, taking the time to listen. We really appreciate it. And Absolutely. as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Hey, Husker fans. Welcome back to the Husker Big Red YouTube channel. I'm Chris Peterson. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Danny Gillette. And uh, we're here to uh, talk some Nebraska football recruiting. It was a big weekend for the Huskers. They got three new recruits or three new commitments, I should say, on uh, Monday. I know you were busy uh, writing up a lot of stuff um, on Sunday, Danny. So what are your thoughts on uh, these new 2024 pledges for the Huskers? Well, one of the things I really like is that Nebraska is doing a three-step process. They're offering a kid, they're getting the kid to, you know, a camp that's run by these coaches, and then the kids they like, they're getting to commit. So at the very least, there's a plan of get them here, get them offered, get them here, get them to commit, and I like the follow-through with that. Um, You know, I do think that there is a lot of value in running these camps, and you know, I, I understand a little bit of the worry and the fact that, you know, some of the commitments aren't necessarily highly ranked, but I do think it may be a case of, you know, some of these players, and we'll get to them in a minute, you know, kind of 
getting overlooked. Um, I trust the staff and their evaluation process, and I think they have an idea of what they want to look for in a player. And from that end of it, I think that's a little bit better than just, you know, offering random kids and getting them to commit with no plan whatsoever. Yeah, so over the weekend on Sunday, uh, Braylon Prude um, from Shadow Creek, Texas, 6'4", 190, um, linebacker safety type committed. Um, also, Jake Peters, um, offensive lineman from Iowa, uh, 6'3", 265. And then Kalen Barta, safety, 6'2", 180. So all of them have been bumped up. They're three stars um, now in the 24-7 composite rankings. They all rank outside the top 1,000. And um, yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's process. interesting that you say that. Hold on one second. It's interesting that you say that because they commit to Nebraska, they get stars like that. That's interesting. I mean, just shows well, it's you, pretty. Gen- I mean, it's the yeah, twenty four seven sports does take commitments into. A, so it's pretty. You know, it's pretty standard across the board when that type of thing happens is that they'll upgrade them. I'm, and I guess that there's a lot of kids, but I don't know why you wouldn't at least evaluate them to the point where they at least get, you know, three stars in general. Cause Cole's kicking camp does a good job of, of evaluating, you know, kickers and punters. And that just is wild to me that like one or two even offers can lead to stars. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish before I go on a tangent. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's just 24 seven. Like if you look at their formula, they calculate, you know, regional bias and then, um, you know, offers they they calculate offers and then commitments so i mean you you'll see that quite a bit i mean bryce turner was the same way all these guys were were, most of these guys were ranked um by 24 7 like jake peters and kaylin barda i think braylon prude might have been too but they just weren't ranked in the composite as three-star players yet so now now they are i don't know what calculation goes into that or if other you know recruiting services have upgraded their skill set um so at any rate, you know, it's it's interesting to get, you know, it, it's good to have them be, you know, ranked as the three stars. And I'm not saying that rankings, you know, are, are everything. Uh, my point, and I think, you know, this is just an interesting topic of conversation is, you know, where Nebraska is kind of building this class, right? Because we talked about this a little bit, you know, but Nebraska is really going away. I mean, I think that they've realized that getting four-star players in this class just probably isn't that likely. Um, I mean, we've seen... A lot of, I mean, they've tried and they had a lot of positions, but, you know, offensive tackle, running back, um, you know, it's just, it just hasn't really worked out. So I, I think that they have gone, they are going a bit of a different route. And I mean, Matt Rule did this last year too, you know, with uh, the way he kind of evaluates and holding the camps and stuff. And you do get, you know, um, players. And I think that the one thing is they're not just taking guys that, uh, you know, like Braylon Prude could be a really good player. I mean, he's got the measurables. They've all got that NFL skill set. And so you're kind of banking on them you know, obviously outplaying their ranking and, you know, getting that, you know, developed process, um, banking on their, you know, athleticism and their measurables and stuff like that, which I totally understand. I think that's a good strategy. I just don't know if you want to, you know, right now, I mean, so we're looking, we've got, you know, 12 commitments. I mean, so if you're getting up to like a 20 player class, I don't think you want half your class to be guys that, you know, you're the first offer, you know what I mean? That haven't been offered by another, um, you know, FBS or a power five program. I can understand having a chunk of your class, you know, four or five guys, but I, I just think that, you know, with the transfer portal and all those other, you know, like, 
because each one of these guys that you're taking right now, that's that's taking away a guy you could get from the transfer portal. You know what I mean? That's like a proven starter in college football. So you really have to I mean, I do think you need to have these younger guys on your roster, but I think you have to limit that to a point because you don't want to be you know, you do want to be old in this world of college football. So it is a double edged sword. I understand that you want to develop these guys, and I do trust the coaching staff um, and Matt Rule in terms of their evaluations. But those those low those projections of guys, you know, becoming like a low three star to an NFL player, like that does happen. And I do think Nebraska will make that happen. But like, say you have five guys like that, maybe one is going to turn into something. Maybe one or two. You know what I mean? So that's just my opinion on it. I don't think you want to have too many guys in your class that kind of fit that mold of an evaluation offer type prospect. Well, there's a, there's also you know, you can't do a ton when you don't know how everything is going to go and whether these guys are going to be legitimate players or placeholders or whatever, you know, we don't know how the 2023 season is going to go. And quite frankly, we don't know how, you know, this offensive style is going to work, how this defensive style is going to work. It looked great during the spring, um, during the spring game defensively, for example, but you know, you can never really, get a good gauge um of those things from a spring game so you know i think for what they've been able to do so far i think they've done a pretty decent job and um you know i think that once the season gets underway then we'll have a chance to really kind of assess you know and recruits will have a chance to really kind of assess what this is all about and in today's world of recruiting all of all of what happened yesterday can change in five seconds. So, at the very least, they have a couple of guys that are projects, but that they can work with. And you know, there I think um, you know each of them has talent. And you know, I think especially a guy like Prude, you know, kind of embodies what Nebraska football is looking for on their defense. You know, a guy that can run run quickly from side to side, runs good downhill, has the versatility in a 3-3-5 defense because, you know, they, they want this defense to be positionless, so to speak. So I do think, you know, there is a plan for these guys, whether or not, you know, that plan will work out or whether or not these players will work out remains to be seen. But, you know, at the very least, I saw, you know, I, I was watching all these guys yesterday, you know, their, their huddle films, and I could see why Nebraska – got them to commit yeah and i'm not yeah i'm not saying that you know they're all going to be bad players or anything but it's going to take time to you know develop these guys and so we'll see i just think um you know the bottom line is that these three past commitments that are three lowest ranked guys outside of um you know cook so or coke so i mean it's not you know a knock on any of those guys or or anything like that um i just think at the end of the day I, i you know this recruiting class, I don't think that it went, that it's gone the way that the staff thought it was going to go in January and December, to be honest with you. I think they were, I think that they thought they were going to hit on more big names in this cycle. And I think they've done a good job adjusting and uh, kind of, you know, realizing that, hey, that's not, you know, it's not realistic. Brandon Baker, you know, Nathaniel Frazier, like these guys aren't coming. Um, so I, I do think that they've made some adjustments in that way and, you know, started you know kind of evaluating a little bit more and saying hey we're gonna have to find the diamonds in the rough until we do establish something here at nebraska um so i mean it is a good on those lines and i would rather them you know take a player that has 
<clears throat> the ability to develop, you know, into an NFL type prospect. I just think that, you know, if you take too many of those boomer bust type guys, you know, that can put you kind of in a tough situation, but that's just where Nebraska is right now. They just have to, they have to take chances on those guys and hope that, you know, their development uh, works out. And this is also why Matt Rule has an eight-year contract, so he can kind of figure everything out, you know, and see what works best. But, you know, I I mean, I, every deal, every deal is a three-year contract. I mean, I, <laughs> if he doesn't I, have a yeah. winning season by year three, he's toast. I mean, that buyout is going to be quite expensive, though. And with how much money they've, quite frankly, pissed away in contracts already, I think they would think long and hard before, you know, trying to can him after three years. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, this coaching staff has shown that they can work hard, but we have yet to see the results on the field. I mean, you know, I, mean, I, think, I don't think that'll happen. I think Matt no, is going to win here, but, but if he doesn't have a winning season by year three, I 100% believe he'll be gone. Absolutely. He'll be fired in no time. Like, there's just no – there's no way he's making it to year four if he hasn't won, hasn't had a winning season. But yeah. then I just, that's my opinion. But, you know, I know the buyout is what it is, but I just think that, you know, because and by that point, I mean, Trev will probably be trying to fire him to save his job. So, you know, Trev, say, yeah, Trev will probably Rule's be gone, gone too. Yeah. If Matt Rule's gone, like this is, this is all on Trev now. And if Matt Rule goes, then Trev will go and we'll continue the revolving door of coaches, athletic directors yada 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 and i i don't know i don't even want to think about that but i i i don't think that we're gonna end up in a situation like we did with scott frost i really don't i think the yeah. staff is very focused and very determined and hopefully the yeah, no alarm going off once oh good <laughs> Okay, sorry about that. I had to snooze my alarm about seven times this morning, so I totally understand where you're coming from. But, I, yeah, I don't get that vibe with Matt Rule that I did with Scott Frost. I mean, I think, you know, they hired a search firm to, you know, figure out the best coaching candidates, and Matt Rule was who they came away with. He seems to be bought into what Nebraska's trying to do. He seems to be bought in to the state itself. So I don't know if – this will turn out like Scott Frost. I do have optimism, but you know, I, I'm quite honestly, if there was a year to win, just looking at the schedule, it would be this year. I mean, this is a very favorable schedule, I think. And I think once the wins start to come, the recruiting will be a little bit better as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I, yeah, I, I think that, you know, they are going to get this program turned around for sure. I'm confident that, um, you know, I just, I would rather see them, you know, I would rest rather see them keep the recruiting numbers low, um, keeping in mind that you can do a lot in the transfer portal now. I just don't, I don't think you need to take like 25 recruits in this class. I don't think that Nebraska is going to, but especially if you're filling it up with, um, you know, these, these guys that, you know, you're camping and evaluating, I'm not trying to dig on those guys at all. I'm just saying you are inherently taking a little bit more of a risk, I think on those types of players. So, you know, like I said, about a third of the class, I can see, you know, seven, eight guys. I think that that's legitimate because I do trust their evaluation process a little bit. But it does worry me when, you know, Nebraska is the first power five team to make an offer. You know, there's no other. I mean, it's one thing if the guy's got like a bunch of Mountain West offers. But if you're going from like FCS up to right to Nebraska, then, you know, yeah, it does worry me just a little bit. Not saying that, you know, this coaching staff can't find diamonds in the rough and things like that. But, you know, 
it's just it is what it is and i think you just you don't want to have too many of those types of uh, commitments in your recruiting class if you're nebraska and you know one thing that worries me and we were kind of talking about it a little bit is the lack of you know depth at the running back position you know i think the running back position we saw that Micah Capana committed to Michigan over the weekend. I know he was scheduled to visit Nebraska uh, this coming Friday, and that's obviously off the table now. So I'll be interested to see what they do at running back. I know they have Quentin Ives and, you know, possibly others coming, you know, coming uh, down the tunnel here. But I think you need to have good running back depth for the Big Ten. And, you know, after Anthony Grant, you know he's gonna leave after this year, and then you'll, and then you have Gabe Irvin, and beyond that, not a ton of depth. So I'll be interested to see if Nebraska can kind of salvage something at the running back position too. Yeah, they are scrambling a little bit at the running back. I mean, they have been actually scrambling at the running back position for quite a while because the Capona thing's been coming down the pike. Uh, Keywon Lacy went to Ole Miss. Uh, another guy that was going to be visiting this weekend committed to Minnesota. So. They really have some work to do at the running back position because um, Nathaniel Frazier is definitely not happening. He's going to Alabama or USC. or So, I mean, I wouldn't even waste my time recruiting him at this point. Um, same with Brandon Baker. Like, it's just a waste of time, I mean, to be honest. So invest your time in a, in a player that you can actually get at this point. Um, so they, they need to reset, you know, themselves at the running back position. And, you know, I'm actually surprised that they weren't able to find, you know, an offer, you know, at, at one of these camps at that position. Cause it's, you know, I don't even, I have, I can't even point to anybody that they've offered that is like a realistic, you know, commitment at this point. I'll have to look at the board a little bit more, but um, they've got some work to do there. And, you know, this weekend coming up, is going to be a big weekend with the, you know, the big visits. I mean, Carter Nelson's expected to come in, um, you know, Isaiah McMorris. So they, they really need to finish on these guys. There hasn't been much buzz around Carter Nelson since the visit to Georgia. There hasn't been any other, you know, predictions or anything. So, I mean, he's really, he's really like the last elite type player. I think Nebraska has a shot at in this 2024 class. Things could change obviously after the season starts, but you know, I, I think that Matt rule, you know, he even talked about this too um, on one of his, you know, with one of his interviews or whatever, but there's not very many spots after these summer months, you know, you're going to get through this last week of June, a bunch of guys are going to commit in July. And like, if you look at the top 24 seven, like probably 80, 90% of the guys are going to be committed. So it's not, you know, once the season starts, there's still obviously going to be recruiting. And especially in that late period, a lot of top ranked players, you know, are available in that time period and Nebraska could have a great season and that could totally, you know, surge things. I mean, we've seen that, you know, with some other classes in the years past. Um, but, you know, this next, these next few weeks are going to be really important. And especially this, this official visit with Carter Nelson, I think it's going to, you know, tell the tale. I think he's going to make a decision in July. That's just reading, you know, the tea leaves. I have no Intel on that, but it seems like he wants to get this process over with before a senior season. Most kids do. And uh, I really, I think it seems to me like he's giving Nebraska that last chance, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to read. It's a hard situation to read with Carter Nelson. And I think we honestly have a better shot at Isaiah McMorris than we do Carter Nelson. But, I mean, you know, I think there's always this kind of saying in recruiting that you want this last visit. Get the last visit for a kid that you want and see if you can seal the deal. So I think if they want Nelson, I mean, this weekend's – going to be big for them it's going to be big for them and you know i do think i'll be interested to watch the michael burt commitment or the michael burt excuse me uh recruitment 
and seeing if there's any more, you know, positive news to come out of that. Because I know he, he said in an interview yesterday that he was impressed with Nebraska. So I'll be interested to see what happens with his recruitment because I think a commitment to Nebraska or no commitment at all will tell a lot about where the Huskers stand with Nelson. Because although they don't need another tight end, I, I do think, you know, if you put Keelan Smith at wide receiver, for example, you know, then then you need depth at the position. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll see. I mean, I, I think, you know, the numbers part of it, um, you know, aren't that where I guess we'll see if they take Burt and Carter Nelson, you know, we'll, it could be could get pretty pretty crowded there but my guess would be that they would take both um that's just that's just my thought i don't think it's gonna you know it's not like i don't think they're telling michael burt to wait or anything on a commitment for carter nelson um it seems like i would just take michael burt and then you know kind of go from there um but we'll see you know I, I i don't think that they're gonna win out with carter nelson but we'll see what happens i think you know daniel kalen being there is definitely gonna help they were on an unofficial visit together um, I do think Nebraska needs to land Isaiah McMorris. That's going to be yeah. if they if they miss him, that's going to be a black eye in this recruiting class. Like that's just he plays on the same team as your quarterback. He's right there. I mean, you just you have to get that. There's there's really there's no other like big name school making a hard push for Isaiah McMorris. Like you got to get his you have to get his commitment, and they they need to get it soon after this weekend, in my opinion. Because not only would you miss out on Isaiah McMorris, you missed out on David Hall. So. That those are two right there that you 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 got to land one or the other at this point. It's McMorris, but if they miss out on both, then that's certainly kind of a that's certainly kind of a bummer to be quite honest with you. Because especially if Davon Hall goes to Kansas State, I don't, that is weird to me. I don't get that. I don't get that either. I really don't. Um, so. You know, I think Nebraska would would give would have given him a better chance to succeed, but we'll see. I mean, there's also the end where, you know, some recruits may not be, you know, sold on Garrett McGuire yet either. And that, that could play a factor in it too. But if they don't get McMorris, then that's certainly, you know, um, a downward trend in terms of this class, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, he's just a guy that, you know, he's the top 500 recruit and, um, I just think that, you know, he he's a must get in this class. I mean, I, I would say that about Carter Nelson too. It's just, that's going to be hard to, you know, that's a hard bar to put, you know, with all the other, you know, with Georgia interested in him too. I mean, obviously I think it would, you know, if George was, was offering Isaiah McMorris, you know, obviously would feel a little bit differently about it. So I just feel like with everything that Nebraska has going for it, that's a recruitment they need to win. Um, I, I am interested to see with Carter Nelson, though, and I, I, I think that, um, you know, Daniel Kalen has been a great peer recruiter, and maybe, you know, he can, uh, you know, help seal the deal, because I do think that, you know, there, there's still a chance for Nebraska with Carter Nelson. I don't think it's, I don't think it's over yet, because, um, you know, I do think that if, if he was going to make his commitment, I, I think that he at least, you know, respects the, the coaching staff enough to just to make that. Like, I don't think he's taking this visit just just like for obligatory obligatory reasons, you know what I mean? And there could be some of that, like with him being an in-state kid, and I know the program, you know, probably means a lot to him, whatever, you know, wherever he ends up choosing. But it'll be interesting this visit. He's definitely the guy, you know, that I'll be watching along with, you know, McMorris. But those are the those are the two that I'll be seeing if they can make some movement with. You know, and it, and it could also be something as simple as a kid that wants to go out of state for college. I mean, 
that's a part of it too that I think often gets overlooked. But um, you know, it's interesting how much good depth Georgia has, and there's only so many targets to go around, only so many you know throws to go around if you're a quarterback. So I'm very interested to see how big of a push Georgia will make, and if Georgia can seal a deal on Nelson because. With George's tight end room, he may be able to start right away, but I don't think it would be as clear a path to starting, you know, at Georgia as it would be at Nebraska. Nebraska, I think he could start day one. Yeah, definitely at least, yeah, get into the mix for sure. Um, So, yeah, just looking, you know, I'm looking at the list of official visits. um, So kind of some interesting. Kiwan Lacey, you know, is another running back. He hasn't committed yet. Um, He's been trending pretty hard to, you know, Ole Miss with, I think he's got some crystal balls and stuff. So, you know, he's still slated as an official visitor. Maybe they can, you know, flip something around with him. Um, You know, he's a guy that we were, we've been talking about along the same lines as Capana. They were kind of the top. They seem like they were the top of the board after Frazier. So we'll see maybe that that'll change. Um, I do see now on on three that uh, Quinn Clark is coming in for a visit, official visit this weekend. So that, you know, piques my interest a little bit. Um, I know they've actually got official visitors today. Donovan Jones is taking an official visit. Uh, Michael Turner, another wide receiver from Louisiana is going to be on campus for an unofficial visit. So that'll be you know, kind of interesting to see where the wide receiver position's going. But Quinn Clark to me seems like they might be willing to take him. I'm not, you know, just uh, the fact that they're getting him, you know, it was like Braylon Prude, right? You know, they they offered him and then that's why like last weekend, I think on Friday before the official visit, like he was one of the guys that I said could commit. Jake Peters was another one. But it's like if, you, if you're taking a kid that doesn't have any other Power 5 offers, you get him from camp, you offer him, you get him on campus for an official visit. Like to me, that says that they're pretty serious about him. And, um, you know, Prude, that's that's the method that they followed. The same with Peters. Um, and I think Quinn Clark, it looks like they're going down that same, you know, kind of modus operandi. You know, he's six six. He's got a verified 40 time of, you know, four five. Um, he can he's a jumper. He's a sprinter. He plays basketball. I mean, so he does a lot of different things. And the fact that, you know, they offered him and now are taking him back for an official visit to me, it seems like. You know, they want a big receiver in this class, you know, a six four, six five wide receiver. And Quinn Clark could be that guy. And he's got he's not quite as athletic as Malachi Coleman, but he's got a, a very similar type of build. And um, he's a similar you know type of athlete, just to a lesser extent, I guess I would say. And along with Clark, another guy I'm watching that's kind of that's uh, visiting this weekend is Caleb Benning. He's been trending to Nebraska for quite a while. So I'm wondering when he will pull the trigger on a commitment. But. I feel like Nebraska has a very, very good chance at Benning, and it's only a matter of time, you know, before he commits to Nebraska. Yeah, that is good to get him um, on campus for an official visit. So, I mean, you look at, um, yeah, Benning is a big one. Um, You know, Ernest Campbell's going to be there. Uh, Grant Bricks is another big, you know, interior offensive lineman that's like a Kansas State, Nebraska, you know, battle right now, a Midwest recruit. So, I, th- I mean, a key thing for me, I think, with Nebraska is not only I, I want to see them start winning, you know, some of these Midwest recruitments again, you know, like like um, Andrew Sprague, who ended up going to Michigan. I think Nebraska was pretty close in that one. Like that's a that's a guy that's like a top 50, you know, top 150 guy. That's like a winnable recruitment out of St. Louis. Right. You know, like those are some of the like that was a much more winnable recruitment than Brandon Baker out of California. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. 
like those are some ones that's why like grant big grant bricks would be like a really big recruiting victory i think in my opinion um so i mean outside of carter nelson he's like a big you know a big visitor um isaiah McHorse. there's a lot of different receivers um on campus i know evan taylor another receiver also got a crystal ball um yesterday i believe or an expert projection so there's a lot of moving parts at the wide receiver board and i think after this weekend you know we'll have a lot more clarity of, of who nebraska is going to take i'm personally i wouldn't mind if they just took uh you know mcmorris and uh you know quinn clark and essentially called it a day after that point what do you know about uh the edge defender i don't know if i'm pronouncing his name right devoe to Itaga. he's coming in this weekend and I haven't really done my homework on him, but, you know, he's he's a high 80s recruit, you know, in terms of in terms of numerical value. He's trending right now um, to Nebraska via the on three, um, you know, uh, recruiting prediction machine. Um, Nebraska's at 32 percent. Oregon's at 28 percent. So do you know anything about him? Uh, he's coming in for an official this weekend as well. Um, I don't know much about him. Just scanning his uh, profile here. Um, he's an 88, which is yeah. a very, very high three star. So um, he's six six two twenty five. You know, which um, those types of players always really you know stand out. With uh, when, you, when you're playing an on front, you want big, big, long players. You know, um, so six six two because that to me is like he could be an edge, or if he really can grow into his body, he could even be like a five technique. You know, down the road. So. Um, he did just take an official visit to Oregon last weekend. Um, he's out of the state of Utah. Um, he took unofficial visits to Utah and BYU in January and Tennessee. And so none of them have kind of followed up with official visits, which is somewhat interesting. This some this kind this this tends to happen with some of these West Coast kids. You'll see this. I don't know why. I have no idea why it's like that, but it just seems like, and this could just be totally my perception. But it seems like there's more kids from like Utah and Wyoming, California, that Arizona too, that they don't seem to their recruitments don't pick up till later in the cycle, like in you know, late summer and the fall. I'm not sure why. This seems like one of them, because it's like there's a lot of other kids that are really good. I mean, he's ranked 514 in the on three industry rankings. So it's like, why doesn't that guy have more than one official or like more than two official visits set up? So, you know, it's interesting, like guys like this will take some more visits in the fall. Um, but yeah, I would think Nebraska would have a good opportunity, you know, Oregon just hosted him and they're a big threat for anybody on the West coast, but, um, yeah, well, Nebraska's trending up. I'm not sure why that they are in that spot in the number one spot, you know, um, because it's usually based on visits and things like that. So it, it's, it's kind of hard to understand the on three prediction machine because it's based on like visits recruit, you know, the recruits ranking past recruiting history. So like if it was probably Brandon Baker or somebody like Nebraska probably wouldn't have as good of a chance with the on three prediction machine, uh, you know, cause it's, it's a whole bunch of factors that, that go into, I do think it is smarter in some ways than the, the crystal ball. Cause there are other factors that play into it, but um, I didn't have a good chance. I'd have to study his film though, but he's probably another guy that has really big upside. I think that that's, that's a pretty clear thing with the, the rule coaching staff and method. I think that they're very confident that, you know, and he said that, like, I can teach people how to play football. I can't teach, I can't teach somebody how to run the 100 meter dash in 10 five. You know, I can't teach that, but I can teach somebody how to catch and how to run, how to block, how to tackle, you know, like football is not a skill game really outside of the quarterback position. Um, it's really, I mean, you know, I, I don't really even think of catching a ball as like 
most of the time you either have that natural ability or you don't. I mean, that's just, I mean, yes, you can improve your hands and you can improve your arm strength for, you know, for that matter. But for the most part, football is still, you know, a physical violent game. And it's just, it's about having that natural set of talents. And uh, this, the staff is very confident they can get those out of those players. And I, I think there's a good reason to believe that they're right. And I don't think your perception about West Coast recruiting is too far off because even when you look at the 2023 class, you know, Sua Latofu committed in January. So, yeah. I mean, it's almost like there is quite literally a different time zone and a different, like, time element to West Coast recruiting. So, I I, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that at all. But, um, yeah, no, I'll be interested to see um, how the peer recruiters – do this weekend uh, gibson Pyle is coming to town kaylin's coming to town and you know I, I read in an article the other day that the offensive line itself has you know created a strong bond between you know the commits and recruits so that's always a good thing to hear as well and you know i think a lot of people sometimes underestimate the value of peer recruiting and hopefully you know kaylin being there Pyle being there this weekend Hopefully they can help seal the deal as well. Um, now that you mentioned that is a good point, and you mentioned it, um, I want we before we wrap up the show, our last segment, we almost are kind of going off, but uh, Danny Kalen, uh, Danny Dimes um, is an Elite 11 quarterback, the first from the state of Nebraska, not to play for Nebraska, from the state of Nebraska um, to be named that. So now when is Danny Dimes getting his fourth star? That's my question to you. Um, hopefully – by the second week of July, I want to say, because that'll give them time to assess everything and, and uh, you know, kind of figure out, you know, what their rankings are. And it was kind of funny. Uh, a Husker fan on Twitter, I'm not going to mention him by name, but he asked the on three guys or in the rivals guys, why does Kalen not get any love in these articles? Because honestly, if you if you looked at any of the Elite 11 articles, Kalen got mentioned probably like three times. In the yeah. span of a weekend. And so they're like, oh, we just use our formula and blah, 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 blah. And it's bullshit. You know what? It's bullshit. They they didn't really take a good look at Kalen. I mean, when you, when you looked at the Elite 11 coverage from this weekend, the event wasn't covered well overall in terms of videos and things like that. So... I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think I think he'll get his fourth star, you know, if he throws 75 touchdowns this year. He... Yeah, he needs his four star right now, but I think it's I think he's gonna stay where he is for quite a while, as much as that pains me to say, because I don't know if he got good enough exposure at the Elite Eleven camp to warrant a four like to warrant a four star in the minds of the analysts. Yeah, and it's so I mean he's about and the composite he's probably like a hundred some spots away. So I mean he's gonna have to make a pretty big leap and it's not just you know, I mean, 24-7 could boost him in their own rankings, you know, and I'm I'm, think, I'm thinking they probably will, um, especially because 24-7, I think they had him in the top 10, too. And then they're, or they had him in their Elite 11 rankings, I'm pretty sure. Like, uh, on three was weird, though. I just, you know, like, um, not to bring the Michigan thing into it, but like with Jaden Davis, like they repeatedly, they just like wouldn't rank, like Jaden Davis was fifth by 24-7 sports and made the Elite 11, and they just continually like didn't rank him. And it's because I think because Charles, they, they have Jane Davis ranked like a hundred spots lower than anybody else, the Michigan. So it's like, they're trying to, 
it's like they're trying to make their analysis fit their rankings, you know. Um, and I don't think that's how you should be doing it. You you should you should be you know watching and analyzing and then ranking and not trying to. It's just weird to me how one service can rank a guy in the top ten and another service doesn't even talk about him and it's the same performance. So that's kind of like the underwear Olympics type thing. But I mean, to me, even the fact that Daniel Kalen got this invitation i mean that proved you know only 20 quarterbacks get that invitation right and he, he actually i think it's safe to say he performed in the upper half of that group i mean even if you want to say like you know if you want to nitpick and say he's only in the top like 12 if you're on three or whatever but i think he he definitely proved that you know he's not like the worst quarterback at the elite 11 right he actually won the accuracy competition so like i know he doesn't have the the huge arm um i talked about that but I do think that he is going to get a fourth star at some point. It probably will take a while, and maybe he, maybe he'll just be like a high-ranked three-star, but he'll be a four-star in my heart. So that's all that really matters. See, this is why we have you on the show, Chris, because you can say, "Oh, you know, you can make it nice and say, oh, their coverage, you know, they didn't do so well, and this is why they did this, and blah blah blah.'" I'll just say, on three, did a terrible job of covering the Elite Eleven. I mean, they really didn't do a good job at all, and. You know, it is what it is, and I, you know, this Nebraska fan I was talking about, you know, earlier in the day, he kind of asked, you know, why is Daniel Kalen, you know, ranked so low? And I'm trying to find the response right now, but, um, you know, it's just kind of crazy because even in terms of video, in terms of, you know, just trying to find highlights for any of these guys was incredibly hard to do. So. I don't get why this event is so hard to watch. Yeah, you'd think they'd have it on a live, like a YouTube live stream or something, you know. Or to, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Maybe they, maybe the Elite Eleven doesn't doesn't like give out its rights. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what's up with that. But I know people would. Well, I mean, college football fans are so obsessed with these guys. I know they would watch it, and some I would watch it if I could. And actually, I found the Twitter thread of the responses from the writer to this nebraska fan and you know he said uh this fan said 13th on the pro day your guys point scale must be broke and you know the writer said every network and staff there had different scales just sharing hours all 400 throws were charted and then talking about caitlin this writer said you know he was up and down on the long ball which some scored with premium value was the only critique as a story illustrates and then, you know, there was some more talk and, you know, the writer finished with, um, you know, thanks for your feedback. So even the writers kind of just didn't want to hear any of it. And it's crazy because they I, I think they did a poor job covering it. And, you know, I think Kalen definitely deserved a little bit more love. He did make the final Elite 11. So there is that. But I mean, just. The coverage of this event and the ability to watch this event, you know, because I would have liked to like watch it all the way through, and it's just got to get cleaned up for next year because, you know, these these writers and their scoring systems combined with the inconsistent coverage, you know, in terms of video, made it kind of a difficult event to swallow. And it was on the on three coverage was weird. like here's another example. So after the first day. Um, and this isn't has doesn't have to do really with Daniel Kalen, but just the inconsistency with rankings is so 
like 24 seven sports, you know, they, the, they had Dylan Rayola as like the alpha dog. He was yeah. incredible compared him to Caleb Williams on three ranked him like ninth. They had like Ethan Grunkmeyer as the number one guy after the first day, which nothing against him. He, he's a fine player, but like, come on, how, how can one service look at, and, and, and on three, that's a, that's another one they've rated. They've consistently rated Dylan Rayola lower than other, than other, um, you know, recruiting services so it's like that's another example of them like they rated him lower than the other kid going to georgia it's like come on man there's no way that dylan rayola i'm and i'm not you know whatever he's not coming here like i get it but there's no way he was the eighth best performer after the first day just and and especially when 24 7 sports is saying he's the alpha dog like it just doesn't make sense to me so what's the difference between the alpha dog and the number one quarterback because i saw alpha dog number one quarterback below like well, I think they just I to be honest, I don't really know, but I think each each team just like or each they just each service says like, oh, this guy was the whatever it's their own, you know, title for it. I think 24-7 just has it, but you know, basically they just they ranked Rayola as one of the top performers in the same competition and on three's got him like ninth with this, you know, it's just like, are you uh, that's why I was like, come on, man. That doesn't make that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm gonna respond to that Twitter thread a little bit later, and uh, but I mean, it's like, come on, like, how hard is this? Like, give us a job, give us a job, and we could, pro- like, that scouting. Thanks for the feedback. This throwing metric system places him all the way down at number eleven. Like, I get he's not like a five-star quarterback or elite, and I get you have certain movers throughout the event through different skill you know, competitions and things like that. But it's almost like I, I, I feel like they didn't even watch the event some days. It's, I mean, it's crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And that's not scouting. That's just making projections based on who you like and, you know, who you don't like in terms of names. Yeah, well, just it seemed like to me at least the on three rankings, I didn't pay attention to Rivals because I think Rivals is not that great overall um, in terms of their rankings. And same uh, with the SPN. Yeah. Like, like I think ESPN and Rivals should just be cut out of the rankings altogether because they do, they invest so little time in actually doing it. Especially yeah. ES, like ESPN's rankings, they're garbage. If anyone from ESPN's watching, like your rankings are the absolute shits. So uh, Rivals isn't isn't much better. Um, but so I I don't care about what those two. I read the on three and the twenty four seven. It really seemed to me like on three, um, Charles Power, whatever his name is, was definitely trying to. It seemed like he he was feeding into his preconceived notions about guys where he had ranked or whatever, and and that's what I felt like, you know, watching his. It was it was it was like he was trying to make, like I said, trying to make the analysis fit the scouting report instead of you know the other way around. So because it's easy, you don't have to do much work when you do that. If yeah. you actually evaluated the kids, and I get that there's a lot of kids, and you can't evaluate you know every single kid in the state of Texas or Florida, for example, but. When you're at a competition, you know, just try to evaluate <laughs> with some objectivity to some sort of level, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, and Danny Kalen, Daniel Kalen won an event. I mean, how many guys? Precision I, passing. Yeah, how many guys won an event? You know, there's not, there's only like five. I think there was seven on seven and, you know, there was the pro day part of it. And I can't remember, you know, but the, the fact is the consensus, I think, from most, you know, the scouting services that Nebraska is getting you know, a steal in Daniel Kalen, an underrated guy. I think everybody was praising his accuracy. The only knock I really heard is that, you know, the arm strength doesn't jump off the page. I don't care about yeah. that. I really don't. Like, I believe that you can improve arm strength. I mean, Tom Brady is who I always go to, you know, like when he was at Michigan, when he got to the Patriots, he did yeah. not have that strong of an arm. 
he got his arm got stronger over time. But his the thing that made him great was the accuracy. And so I'll take an accurate quarterback over, you know, like a strong armed guy. So I, I feel good about that. And uh I don't know if it's going to happen, but damn it, you cowards, give Daniel Kalen his fourth star. He deserves it. I mean, or 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 else they'll just sit on his three star ranking because you know that's scouting. So yeah, you know, if 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 that's scouting, then what the hell are we doing here? We're talking to the loyal fans. That's what we're doing here. We're not yeah. selling out like rivals yet. Yet, I can't promise <laughs> that we won't. But I mean, I <laughs> might sell out if I get the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I'm not saying if a nice check came up from from uh, on three or something that I wouldn't leave. But at the very least, you know, we can spell whatever we want on here without any repercussions and. Apparently, these uh, on three writers can too because they don't know how to evaluate. That's that's very true. So make sure you guys are sticking with huskerbigred.com for all your uh, corn husker recruiting information. We've got all the Daniel of- Kalen coverage that you won't get from on three arrivals. Yeah, we actually, yeah, we need to try to get uh, Danny Dimes on the show here. Yeah, too, I love point. that. Um, but make sure you guys hit the subscribe button, you know, get to the comment section, um, you know, hit the like. Um, let us know what you think and uh, help other Nebraska Cornhusker fans, you know, find our videos and our podcasts. Um, check out huskerbigred.com this week. And once again, thanks for your engagement and uh, taking the time to listen. We really appreciate it. And Absolutely. as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red. <laughs>